Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Pastor Matthew Fuller. Thank you. I'll give you that 20 bucks later for that. All right. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. Man, I was, uh, I was overwhelmed during worship today, just with gratitude for our building. Honestly, we, uh, if anybody was on the journey with us from our old location, this is, this is pretty cool. It's pretty amazing and something that I, I, I just don't want it to become a norm because we contended for so many, so many years for a place uh, to go and saw just miraculous outpouring. I think we've shared it before, but we raised like $400,000 or $350,000 in like four months. Yeah, that the Lord just poured out for this building. That's, that's unreal with 150 people. <laughs> that's amazing. All right, here we go. You guys ready for this? So I've, I've been having an interesting month, personally. I'm in one of those seasons. Does anybody ever have that, that time where it's like you trip and the Lord points it out that you weren't walking right? Or it's like you cough and it's like, don't cough now. Different time. It just seems like it's one of those seasons where everything in my life is being lit up. Like the light of heaven, the Father himself is going ahead and shining his light. And it's uncomfortable, but it is good. I will, I've had a really big focus personally uh, this m- month on my health, and probably about six weeks or so actually. And I'm sure you've all noticed, uh, but I was I was talking to the Lord, and I said, uh, Lord. What is going on here? Why, why is there such a big focus that you have on my health? Like, why do you keep highlighting so strongly my, my physical health and my, uh, my, my emotional health? And he says, because I want you to be healthy. I'm like, wow. Wow, Lord. <laughs> that was deep. <laughs> and he said, just like any other time I ask you not to do something or to do something. Whether it's regard to your physical body or not, everything that I have, the boundaries that I set for you are so that you be healthy. And I I think so many times we think about the Lord and when he's saying, don't do this or do this, or when we read something in scripture and we have a new revelation that we're living maybe below the line that he has called for us to live, below the grace, below the empowerment that he has called us to live. When something comes up in our lives, it's not a time to be to get down on ourselves, but it's a time to realize the Lord is just making me healthier because he's called us to be whole people. He has given us the the witness of the Holy Spirit within us to transform us on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, on a month-to-month basis, so that we in turn look just like Jesus looked here upon the earth, a healthy, whole people. That's what we're called into. We're called into actually to be transformed people so that we can transform this world for Jesus. In the same way that Jesus said, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That happens through us as individuals. When Jesus said he he would pray for the sick and somebody would get healed, he would say, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has come near. 
Where was the kingdom of heaven? Within Jesus that was then just released out of him into the people's lives that are around him. So we are to be heaven carriers, those people that are actually bringing the kingdom of heaven and declaring the kingdom of heaven has come near because I'm standing right next to you. The one that, was t- that, that had a home up in the heavens now has a home here in my life. And not only what happens with his home is it happens to get bigger. It continues to expand. The Bible says that the, the reign and the rule of his government knows no end. It's a continually expanding kingdom that, is, that, is, that we are called to bring here upon this earth. It's going to continue to expand upon the globe until this earth just looks, looks just like heaven. And Jesus comes to rule and to reign. So... I've been thinking about this in my own life, and, and as I'm going through just a, just a personal sanctification process, right? The Bible says that, that, that we're forever being sanctified, that we are forever being perfected. We're, we're, we're through this process of change and transformation. If we're not going forward, if we're not transforming, then the, what we're actually transforming into is the image of our old self. If we're not transforming into the image of Jesus, the Bible says we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. There's a continual moving, a continual forward motion that we're all called to look just like Jesus. So as I'm going through this process, I'm becoming increasingly and increasingly aware that we were born into a war zone. We weren't born into a a good life. We were born in the midst of the enemy's camp to actually push back darkness in the same way that Jesus lived his life. Our weapons look like love. Our weapons look like like walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're actually born into a foreign territory. We were put here on the devil's home. The devil was cast down from heaven and he was put here upon this earth. And he was cast down, put here upon this earth because he had a desire to elevate himself just like the Most High. And so how does the Lord, do you know why the devil really doesn't like us? Because what happened when we were placed here upon this earth, it says that we were made into the image of God. We were actually given the very thing that the devil wanted to pursue with self-promotion. He hates you. He hates me because I have attained through Jesus Christ what he wanted. And not only have I attained it, but I've been placed in his home to flaunt it. I've actually been placed in the home of Satan to flaunt that I have what you wanted. I have been created in the image of Jesus Christ himself, the person that you wanted to elevate yourself like. And now it is my duty as a soldier of Jesus Christ to execute that victory that was paid for upon the cross 2,000 years ago. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You must endure hardship. If we recognize that we are in the middle of a war zone, then the way that we live, when, when things come our way, when, when the devil comes to try to taunt us, when the lion, as, as Apostle Kathy had mentioned last week, the, the enemy moves around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. When he comes into our camp, we're not surprised when we're enduring hardship. See, the, the thing about our North American culture is if, if we were born in another country, 
and we were actually persecuted. Like we think persecution is like, oh, people are calling us homophobic or people say that we don't like people and we call that persecution. In the Bible, they were put in burning oil. They had their heads chopped off. These are the apostles, the ones that walked with Jesus were actually martyrs, were actually murdered for proclaiming. And there are actually people here on this globe still today that are being actually tortured, that are being split in two, that are being hung upon crosses and shown to those that are in a village to say, hey, don't mess with our religion because this is what we do to Christians. This is what it looks like. These people understand that we're born into a war zone. But now we actually, I'm going to say something that, that, I, I, that many of us believe, but I don't think we consciously believe in. And it goes a little bit something like this. Jesus died and paid the victory on the cross so that I can just live my life. Now that sounds silly to, you know, when we're Christians, we, we say we've committed our life to Jesus Christ and everything that we have is his and... But our, our actions actually prove the belief systems that we carry. There's something different than knowledge and a belief system. See, if I actually believed that Jesus Christ died and I'm to live my life the way that I live, then I would, I would probably do something that along the lines of what the next verse says. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who he enlisted as a soldier. When I believe that I've been called to live my life, my focus then becomes upon this life. My focus becomes upon the job that I have. It becomes upon on the, the, the home that I have. It becomes, it, 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 my focus looks a little something like I just get up in the morning and I hope to do good today. But when I actually believe that his victory paid upon the cross is now supposed to be executed through me as a good soldier, then the way that I live my life, the focuses that I have on a day-to-day basis actually change. Because it would actually be delusional of me as a good soldier to go into an enemy's territory and to get interested in the way that he lives his life. It would actually be delusional of me to to be planted into a, a foreign field and to figure out what it looks like to have a good time in their life. Because the way that I'm called to live my life is supposed to be one that has been enlisted as a soldier, one that does not entangle himself with the affairs of this life that is actually on a day-to-day basis listening to the commanding officer, listening and, and, and actually living out the life of the one that is, con- that is commanding the army that I have been, that I have been born into. This is what it looks like to live this life as a warrior. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good faith. This is not supposed to be something that is just happens to us. This life isn't supposed to be something that we just wake up into, that we live for our 401k in the weekends and our next vacation. This life is actually one that we're supposed to be engaged in warfare, that we're actually to fight the good fight of faith, not entangling ourselves with the things of this world. First Timothy chapter one, verse 18 says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 
How many of us have, have received prophetic words in our life? Yeah, so there's, if you haven't received a prophetic word personally, there's plenty of them in the Bible that you can take a hold of. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> I'm in a bunny trail. So Jason is our uh, HR person in, um, at Mudpenny. He does our HR and some business consulting as well. Now, Diane said that he has 20-plus years of experience. If anybody knows Jason, you know he really lives about 300-year-old man. <laughs> He's got probably 250 years of experience in what he does. This is the oldest, youngest man I have ever met in my entire life. (laughs) So if you want to have a well of wisdom and what it still looks like to wear a three-piece suit, it is time (laughs) to get some coffee with Jason. (laughs) I highly encourage it. So in Timothy, it says, according to the prophecies previous made according to, uh, concerning you, by them you may wage the good warfare. We're actually supposed to take the truths, the things that the identities, the encouragements, the things the, uh, that the Lord has spoken over us and transform our minds with war into those things. It's not something like, well, when you receive a prophetic word, you don't just sit back and wait. You chase after it. When you, when you find out who you are in Christ, you chase after it. And you may endure hardship, but it's not meant to be an easy life that we live. And my life, the way that I live my life, actually declares whether or not I believe those things, as I mentioned earlier. So we walk in a different awareness when we're in a war zone. We're careful where we step. We don't walk just a common path. Sometimes we have to take the long way around because there may be landmines. We're careful of the things that we consume in our lives because we want to be fit. We want to be ready as warriors, as soldiers of Jesus Christ, as the Bible says we are. We want to be fit and vigilant, prepared that if something comes our way, we're ready on the offensive. We don't just allow the devil to walk over our lives, but we actually have self-control. We take charge over our lives. We don't just let it flounder around and hope that good things happen to us because the Bible says we're going to endure hardship. And so we need to rise up against those things. We need to be those that actually use our effort to press forward, to press into the things that the devil is trying to bring against our life and to to bring the victory that Jesus has paid for upon the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Say this, do you not know that those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. The word temperate means actually has self-control and does everything in moderation. He actually has control over his life, the runner. You know, there's, there's an intentionality that when you're going to prepare for a race on the things that you eat the day before. Are we getting up and we're getting into the word every single day, eating what it is that the Lord has given us as food? Are we living in communion with the Holy Spirit, not just here on Sundays, but on a day-to-day basis? Are we conditioning ourselves as warriors for the kingdom? 
to push back darkness and not to let darkness overtake us. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Hallelujah. We have a heavenly reward because of this race that we run. I want to get to the end of the race and hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I am obedient. I discipline this life that I have, and I live in an, intent- in an intentional way because I recognize that I am in the middle of a battle, and at any moment, everything could change. I recognize that I am in the middle of a war zone, and in a moment's notice, there could have been a sneak attack that has been prepared for 20 years, that all of a sudden, here comes the devil. But I'm prepared because I have a victory. I know who I am in Christ and I'm temperate in everything that I do. I'm conscious to run the race as a warrior. Another thing that a warrior does is they only bring what's necessary. They they know that they're provided for, so they don't need to worry about all the extras. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. My mom always says, I never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. I think it's a funnier joke than that. My mom always said, I never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. It's one of my favorite jokes that she's got. She's got like three. The other one, what's the official car of the New Testament? A Honda Accord, because they were all in one accord. Those are good. You know why the Sadducees are always sad? Because they're sad, you see. And the Pharisees wanted everything to be fair. Because they wanted to be fair, you see. I love those jokes. So it's certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Word doesn't take extra on the journey. That's going to bog him down. That's going to bog her down. But the warrior's satisfied having food and having clothing. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So am I chasing after money? Am I chasing after the things of the world? Or is money chasing after me to help fulfill my destiny? See, a warrior knows that when it's, it's time for the next battle, when it's time to conquer the next territory, when it's time for the next promised land, the commander is going to have the provision that is needed for that next battle. The commander is going to send forth ahead of time the provision that is needed to conquer the territory that he is putting us into. So all we need to be content with 
is the food and the clothing on our back. Yes, there may be things that the Lord gives us to enjoy in this life, but the enjoyment of this life is not the goal. Jesus Christ and him crucified and his glory being spread across this globe is the goal. And if he gives me the money, great. But I tell you what, I'm going to use it for his glory. So am I following after money? Am I chasing after temporal things that, I'm not, that aren't going to come with me? Because if I am, I promise, it is going to destroy my life. It's going to destroy my family's life. When I live out of fear of the things of this world, as if I have to grasp them to make sure that they don't go away, it's going to destroy the relationships that I have. It's going to waste my time beyond anything you will ever believe because I'm going to be serving money instead of serving God. I'm going to be serving earthly possessions instead of serving the King of Kings. But when I focus on serving the King of Kings, all that stuff is added to me. That's what the Bible says. It's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in his right standing to look just like him. And guess what happens? All these things will be added to you. But when we live according to fear, when we live according to the means of, of, of our understanding of this world, then it brings destruction. Because the Bible says we cannot serve two masters. Let me share a story with you that I had to, that I learned a lesson on this one. I was, I, I had opened up um, Mudpenny's a cafe, a restaurant that I own on Granville Avenue. I don't remember if I shared this last week or not, but we just uh, signed a lease for another location in Ada. Yeah, which is very exciting. So we're growing. Uh, but... When I was ahead of time, when I was, um, let me back up, 2012, I started this business because I wanted to have more time with my family. No other reason. I was making plenty of money. I was actually about to get a promotion at the job that I had um, where I was going to be making roughly a little over double my salary overnight. And... I was, I was on the path, I was on the, you know, the management course that I needed to be on to be able to, to, to attain the things that I needed, but it was burning me out. And my wife, Rachel, who's on the uh, keyboard, was pregnant with our first daughter, and I was working extremely early mornings. And then the next day, I would work uh, a second shift type position, and I work really late at night, and, but then the following, I'd have to work really early in the morning, and it was, we were just dying. It, I was dying, which was causing our relationship to die. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed to the Lord. I knew in my heart that I always wanted to start a business since, since I was like, you know, forever. I was always starting businesses. I had the most Pokemon cards because of the business that I ran in my elementary school. And so we're praying about it and I get this prophetic word. And the word is, it is time for you to step out from underneath the trees and stand on your own. And I had just been asking the Lord, when is the timing for me to start my business? And that was the word of the Lord that the time was now. Now she's pregnant with our first daughter. We don't know yet the amount of sin that comes with these kids. Because it was our first. And in the Lord's infinite wisdom, he calls me to start this business two weeks before she was born, our first daughter. So I said, honey, quit my job. I had about three people supporting me at this time. Everybody thought we were crazy. 
And we decided to listen to the wisdom of the Lord and the counsel of those that the Lord had put over us in our life. The confirmation of the prophetic word, because no prophetic word is meant for private interpretation. It's always meant to be brought to somebody else that the Lord has placed over your life so that it can be helped to be interpreted and that you can grow and follow the will of the Lord for your life. So we quit and the sole purpose is more time with my family. So I I have hours that are very specific so that I can spend time helping to raise this child because I wasn't going to be an absent father. And uh, so then the business grows. And as a result of starting that, opportunities come, connections come, and the business has grown. And this was in 2012. We're in, what year are we in right now? 2019. So we've been going. We've, We've hit all the hurdles, especially as being a restaurant. It's one of the highest risks to start here uh, in, in North America because they just go out of business all the time. So we're growing, growing. Fast forward, 2018, we're opening up a new location in downtown Grand Rapids, right outside of downtown in the Roosevelt Park neighborhood. And I had been praying and I felt this nudge in my heart that I wanted to ignore. And I did. Um, and, and it was to continue to specialize in what I specialize, continue the same hours that I have so that I can have time with my family. And those hours were 7 a.m. to 3 o'clock p.m. Well, we decided to open earlier, which was fine, because I'll be sleeping anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but we also extended our hours late at night. And because we extended our hours, I burned through the staff that we had. I'm talking burned. They, our, uh, Rebecca, who's up front here, she was working like 80, 90 hours a week in order to keep this place afloat. And I was making money at night. I, I was fine. But I, it was at the cost of somebody else. It was at the cost of other people's. And, and I was, it was my birthday. I remember walking into the restaurant that we were going out to eat. And I heard the Lord say very clearly, I asked you to open this business for family. Now you better give that same family privilege to those that are working for you. So I made a phone call right then. And I said, change the hours tonight. Everybody can, can, uh, can leave. And so immediately I had the hours cut down. Now, I lost probably a couple thousand dollars a month as a result, but it is more important to me to follow the voice of the Lord than it is to chase after money. And I truly believe that as a result of following the Lord, our business has never been under a 100% increase in sales year over year. Now, a healthy business is a 30% increase in sales. That's like this business is rocking and we're hitting 100 year after year after year for seven years straight. And I believe that it's a result of not only myself, but also people speaking into my life when I need to listen up to what the Lord is saying, but being able to submit to it and to trust his will over my life more than trusting my own ability to make money, more than trusting my own ability to chase after the finances that I feel like God wants me to have. Let's turn our Bibles to First Cham, First Chamel. You guys know where that is? It's like somebody's going to be reading their Bibles a little bit more. First Chamel, chapter fifteen, also known as Samuel in the uh, English version. I, I'm just so caught up in the Hebrew, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just get too caught up in my theological studies sometimes. I'll bring it back down to this level here. Okay, here we go. First Samuel 
chapter 15, verse 1. We're going to learn about the life of Saul a little bit this morning. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and women, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Tilaim is how you pronounce that. I looked that one up, actually. That one is not Chamel. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed." So Saul is given the word of the Lord. We've all experienced, as we said earlier, we've we've experienced moments in our life when we receive the word of the Lord. He is told to go and to kill everything. Absolutely everything in the land. And Saul then goes and he, he starts killing everything. But then he started interpreting what the Lord actually meant. Obviously, the Lord wouldn't want to, uh, to kill the oxen and the sheep and, and things like that, because those are good things. And so Saul preserves what in his mind seemed like the good things to hold on to instead of fully following and obeying the word of the Lord, which was to kill absolutely everything. Sometimes we, we may be... Hear a word of the Lord. I I want to transition you away from these relationships. And we say something to the Lord like, no, but God, I'm going to be the man or the woman that's going to change that person. So that then I can marry him. The job he's asked you to to leave. No, 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 but don't you know, Lord? Okay, I I'll cut down for now. I'll start another job, but I'm going to hold on to this because I know the good that you have for me in this thing. I know you didn't really mean everything, Lord. Maybe those those 200 churches that you're attending, running from one to the next to the next to the next, that the Lord has asked you to get your roots down, but you say, no, but don't you know the unity that I'm going to bring? See, that's a good thing, Lord. You didn't mean the good things that can happen. You only meant the bad things. Those are the only things that you wanted me to destroy in my life. But don't you know what I'll be able to do? These are the things that you like. They're sacrifices that I'll actually be able to give to you, Lord. Maybe the, the, the diet change that the Lord has asked you to do. And it's like, okay, I'll cut some things out, but not totally because you don't know the amount of anxiety that happens as a result. You don't know what my brain's going to have to go through if I don't drink as much coffee. Obviously, you're not talking about right now. You know how hard life is for me. 
obviously this is, you're not, you don't fully mean the good parts. You just meant the bad things that you want me to get rid of. Verse 10, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by and gone down Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Saul saying, Blessed are you. Samuel, you've come into the presence of greatness. (laughs) Blessed are you. And Samuel said, Then what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them up from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. See, the thing about preserving those things that are good in our life is we actually typically try to sacrifice them next to our self-monuments. We actually, we want to hold on to them because they're going to be a testimony of what I have done for the Lord. Those areas of our lives, the, the, the cutting down, like I could have said to the Lord when he said, I want you to cut back your hours, but Lord, wait till you see the money that I am going to have. And I have done good things for you with it, God. But that's not what he said to me. That's not what the Lord said to me. My job... My calling is to obey 100% of what the Lord says to me, not to mix in my interpretation of what is good and what is evil. Because, see, the thing about the fatted, the, the oxen and the fatted sheep and the things that, that Saul was sacrificing to the Lord, they were good things. They were actually things that the Lord has pleasure in. They were actually ways of worship and sacrifice that were his idea in the beginning. He actually gave the idea to worship in that way. But in the context, see, this is where our earthly knowledge cannot face the magnificent wisdom of the King of Kings. So in the context where he thinks is something is good, the Lord is asking for something different. So it is, it is wrong in that moment. He gave up what is God for what is good. John Wesley traveled over here because he had a burning desire to be a revivalist and he was going to go to unreached people groups. He wanted to go to the Native Americans and he comes over to the U.S. and he goes and he's traveling through a town and, and uh, he ends up, they, they find out that he's a pastor and they say, well, we need a pastor in this town. And he goes, surely the Lord has called me then to this town, even though the original word of the Lord was for him to come and to reach unreached people groups. Well, he decides to, to, to settle down in this town and he becomes a pastor in the town. As he is there, a lot of stuff starts arising and he ends up falling into some things that he shouldn't have done. And as a result, he actually gets kicked out of North America and never gets to fulfill the destiny in this time, at this time that he was called to because he gave up what the Lord had called him to do something that was good. He actually writes in his journal with his head held low. On the way back to the UK, he says... I have given up what is God for what is good. And I have failed on my mission that the Lord had sent me on. 
Now see in his eyes, he says, I am going to be the pastor of this town. The thing that we have that we think is a good thing is often sitting next to our own self-image. It's often held on to because we want to be able to glorify ourselves when we don't understand the identity that we have in Christ, then we're always going to try to look for the thing that makes us feel good about ourselves. And it oftentimes is going to just be something that is partial fruit instead of full fruit because we actually justify in our lives a partial fruit as a God thing. When God is asking us to bear full fruit, full obedience to what it is that he has called us to do. Verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet and I will tell you. Wow, I just went blank there. Did you guys see that? Be quiet and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites that fight against them until they are consumed. When they did not obey the voice of the Lord, why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, once again, he tries to justify. Yeah, I know what you said, Lord, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord partially and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So we start off with a yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. And then we see opportunities. Then we see opportunities ahead of us to do something that we feel can serve our own self-interest. But the people took of the plunder sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He's saying, does the Lord care about the religious duties that you can do on your own strength as he does about obeying what he said to do? Not just at first, don't just kill some of them, but kill everything. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of the rams. For rebellion, this is likened to rebellion, is what the Bible says. Rebellion. When I don't fully obey the voice of the, the word of the Lord over my life, when I do it for just a moment and then I interject my own self-knowledge into the middle of the equation, it says that it, the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. That's heavy. You know, the reality in the new covenant is that is not that there is license to sin. It is not that there is license for disobedience. We are actually called to wage war against this darkness that tries to rage inside our lives and the darkness of this world. The Bible actually says to be temperate in all things, as I mentioned earlier. I'm to be in control over my life as a warrior, and I'm to listen and to obey to my commanding officer. I'm a son and a daughter. I am free. And that freedom looks like me being able to sit up on my father's lap. But when he says something, I better listen. My children are free to express themselves. My children are free to be happy, to actually live in relationship with me. Just as I have relationship with the father because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he has wiped away everything that has held me back. But when it's time to move, it's time to move. 
when it's time to get your shoes on, you better get them on. The Lord, though he is full of loving kindness, he is also a man of justice. And he demands out of us an expectation that his son didn't just die on the cross so that we can try to live a good life. His son died upon the cross so that we can be born into the enemy's territory and to push back darkness with the person, the power, and the presence of Jesus Christ. So I, I honestly believe... I believe that we're in a time right now where the Lord is asking us to renew some of those commitments that we made to him. The thing about what the Lord had done is he had actually asked him to kill both bad and good. Sometimes it seems confusing to us when he asks us to kill the bad or the good thing too. Like I made less money. Do you get what I'm saying with this? It can be confusing when he's asking us to kill those things that it seems like are supposed to be a fruit in our lives. But he is more interested in my commitment to him than my commitment to his pleasures here upon this earth. He's more interested in my commitment to the day-to-day, to the faithfulness, to the things that nobody sees, to my yes and my continuation in that yes, to my obedience, not just my praise on a Sunday morning but into how I live my life on a day-to-day basis. And I believe that right now, this month, I'm telling you, I don't believe that there's something that's been, that this has been so heightened in my life personal because it's just for me in the sense that the Lord is asking me to cut off things and to pick up other things. I believe right now that we are in a Kairos moment where there is the likeness of the spirit of Josiah that is resting upon his church. Do you know what Josiah did? For those of you that don't, I'm going to give you a little insight. So Josiah was a king over Israel. And, they, and during his reign, they found this old book that was hiding away in the temple. It was called the Book of Law. And they're like, oh, what is this old thing? So they start reading through it. And they realized that the previous generations that had gone before him had forgotten the commandments of the Lord. How many times have we made a commitment to the Lord and then the process of life just happens? And we forget that book of law. We forget the living water, the life of Jesus Christ that is within us. And we find ourselves focusing more upon this earth, more upon our, what we're attaining here than we are on our heavenly destination. See, when I was born again, I was born into eternity. This is just preparation for the glory that I'm going to be living for all of eternity with Jesus Christ. I'm just on mission here. I'm just a sojourner. I'm an ambassador of another kingdom. This doesn't look like home to me. So Josiah, he goes up. It says in 2 Kings 23, 2, he says, The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. I want us all to stand up. 
We're going to take a stand for the holiness and the purity that the Lord has called us into. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching one of those messages that's like, you need to straighten yourself out, otherwise the Lord doesn't like you. But what I am saying is that the grace of Jesus Christ is more than capable to tear down the strongholds in our life that are actually causing us to live in unhealthy cycles that we're miserable living in anyway. Living lower than the standard that Jesus had set before us is not a fun life to live. It is filled with shame. It is filled with condemnation. It is filled with loneliness, hopelessness, despair, depression. We've all experienced it. And when we glorify something up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's no fun place to live in. Now, I want each and every one of us to think of that thing that has been coming up in our mind. That place of idolatry that the Lord has asked us to set down as I read through what Josiah did. This is the fierceness, the rage against sin, the rage against idolatry, the rage that that the Lord has in all of our lives that he is asking each and every one of us to pick up today. The king stood by the pillar and made the covenant. Verse 4, the king commanded... Hilkiah, the high priest, the priests of the second order and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Then he removed the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem. And those who burned incense to Baal, all the sun to the moon, to the constellations and to all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the wooden image from the house of the Lord to the brook Kidron outside Jerusalem, burned it at the brook Kidron and ground it to ashes and threw the ashes on the grave of the common people. This man got angry about the idolatry that was trying to share its place with the king of kings. He tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord where the woman wove hangings for the wooden image. He brought out all the priests of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. Also, he broke down the high places at the gate, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren. And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. Then he removed the horse at the kings of Judah and dedicated to the sun and to the entrance of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan, the officer who was in the court, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. The altars that were on the roof, the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord, the king broke down and pulverized there and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. And he goes on over and over and over and over again, tearing down every altar that exalted itself up against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This moment when Saul decided to interject what he thought was good was something that, inter- that, that he put up against the knowledge of God. 
It was the knowledge of God to destroy every sacrifice. It was the knowledge of God to destroy every person. It was the knowledge of God. It was the word of the Lord for, for Saul to go forth in full obedience. But when he interjected his good ideas, he stood up to God and said, I've got a better knowledge. I've got a higher way in the same way that Satan did. And when we enter into this sort of uh, agreement with the devil, we're bringing upon ourselves destruction and a life of despair. We're tearing our families down. And I honestly believe there's a purifying fire that is going through the church right now. We're seeing it. We're seeing exposure of pastors. We're seeing exposure of, of, of people in all realms of society where Christians are actually what we think we're holding in darkness is coming to light. And it's not because he doesn't like us, but it's that he doesn't like to share his space with another. He doesn't like to share his glory with another. So I want us to make a commitment as a body today. Can we make that commitment together? I'm not saying this at you. I'm saying this with you. I'm sharing what's personally going on in my life where the Lord is purifying with his fire things that I thought were fine. That he is saying, no more, my son. I've got a healthier life for you to live. So now there's no condemnation in what it is that I'm saying, but there is health and healing and wholeness in following wholeheartedly after the voice of the Lord in our lives. So let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for the call that is going forth, for the purifying flame of heaven that has come down, Lord, where we have decided that living this life is good enough. Lord, you have called us to more. You have called us to be a soldier in your army. And so, Lord, we repent right now from where we have come up with the better idea of what that looks like. We repent for following half-heartedly after the words that you have spoken and where we have justified with only partial fruit the things in our life so that they can be sacrificed next to our self-image. Lord, where we have exalted ourselves above your will, we crush that right now in the same way that Josiah made a commitment to you once again, Lord. Or maybe we just didn't realize, God, just even as this book was buried, we just didn't realize, Lord, some of the things, God. Lord, I pray for the, a revelation of those things right now, God, and that there would be a grace. We, we, we pull upon the grace of Jesus Christ to overcome, to be those overcomers, to be vigilant, to be prepared, to be ready, to be the warriors that you have called us to be. We repent for small thinking. We repent for bringing our ideas of what it looks like into this equation, Lord. And we cast down every argument. We cast down every high place that would try to exalt itself above your knowledge. And we say yes to your calling. Not only today, but tomorrow morning as we wake up. We don't march until we need help and then call out. Lord, we get our marching orders in the morning. First first thing. Lord, we submit our will to you. Bury our pride, crush it down as we submit our will to your life. The great and mighty one in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.